listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com where we bring you national touring and celebrity comedian interviews. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show. And if you miss our live broadcast, you can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's Podcast. And please contact us with any questions or information about advertising and sponsoring at Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank at Yahoo.com. Good evening, and thank you for tuning in to another Let's Be Frank show. This week, we have Gwiggy in studio. How are you doing, Gwiggy? I am good. How are you, brother? Not too bad. And we'd like to welcome to the show, Avi Lieberman. How are you, Avi? Good. How about you guys? Thanks for having me. Thank you for Great coming you, on. Thank you for calling in. Hey, now, didn't yeah, you just get back into you, you just got back into the States, didn't you? Weren't you over in Israel? Yeah, I was in, over in Israel. I do a tour there a couple times a year, and I also go like uh, usually like in over some of the high holiday time just to sort of pre-plan and to be there over that time and you know meet with the publicists and the producers and all that stuff to you know try to get all our ducks in a row. No, um, I, I, and I think that's an awesome. It's awesome that you go there. I'm Jewish myself. I, I probably couldn't survive there because <laughs> I can't speak fluently by any chance. You know what? It's a, even if you try to speak fluent, it would be more frustrating the other way. All the Israelis know English, so even when you try to practice your Hebrew, they just respond in, in English as soon as they hear your accent. It's very frustrating. Oh, <laughs> well, you, you'd be fine. Don't worry about it. Well, it's <laughs> funny that, that you say that because I, I was going to ask you a question that I had asked Paul Rodriguez when he called in about uh, converting your comedy into he could have, you know converting his comedy into speaking Spanish, and I was right. going to ask you what's that like when you're in Israel? Do do the jokes translate? But if everybody over there speaks it, we just shot down my first great thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, the majority <laughs> of the comics that I bring, like, I, you know, most of them aren't even Jewish. I just try to bring guys that are really, really funny, you know, that'll go over there. But yeah. the, the shows are all in English. I mean, it, um, you know, and I just try to bring guys that are funny, that are going to do well. And you brought and, some great uh, guys there. I, I'm sorry. You have brought some phenomenal talent with you over there. I was looking at. Yeah, some I've of been the very, very people. fortunate to you know to be able to get these guys to agree to go over, and they've. I, I'm pretty sure almost everybody's had a pretty positive experience. The the, the shows are great. Um, it's called Comedy for Kobe, and it benefits the Kobe Mandel Foundation, um, which is a great organization. They they which is sort of just like an added bonus um, that the revenue you know after costs all goes to this great charity. They work with uh, kids who have been victims of terror. You know, if you've lost a father, mother, sister, brother, and like any terrorist attack or anything like that, they have like a summer camp for hundreds of kids twice a year, um, awesome. and they have therapy for them, and they meet each other, you know, and that kind of stuff. So that way, they don't grow up angry for the rest of their lives. Um, <laughs> so it's just, they, you know, they just do great work. So, and the, even the, the kid who it was named after, Kobe Mandel, was a big comedy fan. He used to subscribe to a joke a week website, and it all just seemed to fit. Um, you know, when we found each other. So, but yeah, I brought guys. I brought Craig Robinson from The Office, Jeffrey Ross. Uh, you know, from the burn, uh, Harlan Williams, uh, you know, a lot of guys, the list goes on yep. and on. Mm -hmm. So, so it's a fortunate tour and it, it's a great thing that I, that I noticed. And you also do a lot of, um, I'm sorry, you've done a lot of TV here in the States as well. You've been kind of oh, fortunate yeah, I mean, I've coming been up. Some, you know, it's all relative, I guess. I don't know whether it's a lot, but then, you know, yeah, I've done, uh, I've been on Ferguson a few times. Uh, I did a Showtime special. I've been on Comedy Central here and there. Um, you know, a couple big I, I mean, I'm traveling a lot. I have this sort of, I think when you get a TV set prepared, it's, it's months and months of, you know, going over it, refining it, sending it to them. And they go, we like this. We don't like that. Fix this, change that. You know, it's a long process and it's sort of my own fault. I think that I haven't been on as of recently. I just started to sort of, uh, start the process of like trying to get a letterman set together. Um, so the, the guys there have been very, very friendly and very nice and, you know, super positive and responsive. So I just have to sort of you know, get that handled, and then hopefully that'll be next on the, you know, on the rung. Right. I noticed, uh, you know, in some spots you're advertised as being, you know, a very, very clean, uh, corporate clean comic, and then I was Yeah, I generally don't do a lot of dirty stuff. I think you have to sort of, you know, not that I have a problem with that. I mean, I think some of the funniest guys on the planet, you know, are dirty and dark and yeah. stuff, and I enjoy watching them. I just think you have to sort of be who you are. I'm sort of not that guy, and I was sort of told very early in my career by some other people, listen, you'll have more opportunities, you know, if you're able to work clean. Yeah. So it's just not me. I'm not sort of, you know, I don't come from that 
that background of working dirty. But right. not that I have a problem with it. You know, it's right. like I think Carl Reiner said, as long as it's twice as funny as it is dirty, you know, then who cares? Right. So, and I, I had watched a bunch of your different video clips and stuff online, and, you know, some of it was actually super-duper clean. But, you know, there's times when I, I heard you drop an F-bomb, and I heard, you know, I heard you yeah, say no, the I word mean, I think there's some, and, Yeah, some of the clips I think that they used to record out of the Laugh Factory, I think, that, um, you know, yep. a few here and there. I mean, you, you know, if I'm in a club... And um, I try not to drop it, uh, you know, uh, you know, gratuitously. I'll right. try to uh, use it where it really does, you know, emphasize something or add to the joke. Or if I have some bits about, you know, the, the word itself, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know, I'll go mm-hmm. ahead and do. But in, in general, I don't have too much that's, that's filthy. Right. No, um, and that's great. Um, it was just interesting because as I was going through it, it was the second one. And I'm like, well, he's clean, but he knows when he... When, when it's time not to be clean or, you know, because there is a difference where you can, as you said, sometimes in a club you let loose a little bit and you have that fun. Right. Uh, yeah, um, you know, there is something freeing about, you know, being at a comedy club, which is why I recommend to, like, anybody, listen, if you're going to go see stand-up, you know, it's, it's, it's very different live as opposed to in a club, you know, to watching it on TV because in a club, guys can really let loose and, there's, there, you know, you're completely uninhibited nine times out of ten. So, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. There was there was a joke I was listening to you and you do it it was I watched it twice on two different sets and, and I honestly couldn't stop laughing you you talk about uh, poker and oh thanks yeah yeah and uh, it was my early yeah it was one of my early ones my yeah. early you know uh, si- uh, si- signature Avi Lieberman bits my buddies would tell me so <laughs> it comes comes from life experience that and, one and it, yeah. and it came right out of my life experience when when you start talking about the difference in playing in the in the casino versus playing poker with your friends oh yeah and i mean that's always crazy you know because we play you know i mean most comics i think by just virtue of us where we're going to end up working like in vegas and atlantic city um you know poker tends to be a pretty popular game amongst comics and you're obviously going to have home games and you have there's always the one lunatic who's you know here are the rules on this one you know and it's like it's just this insane you know, and, and it reminded in, me insane of, craziness. Yeah, so. it reminded me of sitting back at my buddy Scott's house with all of our friends drinking beer, and and you hand the cards around, and you know you win at your deal, and you got up the river, down the river, follow the yeah, queen, I think I, crazy I think, well, in mine, it's, uh The game, this game is called When Johnny Goes to Bangladesh, He Always Rides a Pony. <laughs> um, you know, I think that was the the, uh, the, the, the the title of the game that I used in that bit. Yeah, it's just insanity. Yeah, and, and, no. and it just hit home, and I'm like, I don't even play those crazy games anymore. It's like, I'd have to be yeah, drunk no, to even consider it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost more insane for me when, like, I'm playing Vegas in about a week, and um, to just sit and play regular Hold'em is almost more lunacy. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm playing this more than four times in a row. You know, like, <laughs> you need to play the same game is, like, more insane than not playing one of the crazy things, you know, that we end up playing. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, that's why it's still sort of like a mini treat, you know, to go there and play, just play some normal poker. So you've been doing comedy for many years now. I know myself, mm-hmm. I'm a little over two years, and Gwiggy, you've been doing comedy about, about four, four years. years. Almost, almost and Gwiggy five. does a lot more improv, so we have a lot of differences. Right, one, right. one of the great things about the show is we get so many different perspectives because, you know, you're at a point where we're we're hoping to get to. We're on the cusp where I get to, you know... I have some of my own shows. I still do some open mics and, right. you know, you, you get the guest set into, you know, the, the invites to do guest sets and where, where did you come up starting with comedy? Did you, did you start in New York? I mean, yeah, believe me, make no mistake. I still go and do the open mics, you know, I mean, never underestimate the value of those. And I mean, you'll, you'll see guys, you know, especially in Los Angeles, it's a totally different ball game. You know, you sort of have to get up where you can. And um, there aren't many places to work out here. So, you know, you'll see a lot of comics that you've seen on TV or guys that, you know, have Emmy Awards going up in, you know, cafes and just working the newer stuff for, <laughs> nice. you know, um, it's, but we, we still do that. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you, you never really get to a point in your career. It's funny when I hear you say like, oh, we'd like to get where you are. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, like, I ain't even close to where I want to be. <laughs> you know, I look at guys. Hey, stages, know. steps. My father told me take steps. One or right. two steps yeah, at no, a time. True. I mean, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're different levels, obviously, you know, of, of, of everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, the key for me, I sort of started in L.A., so it's sort of like working backwards. Right. Um, most people get good somewhere else and then come here. Um, I moved here right out of, cal- you know, out of college to pursue acting. And, but I always knew stand-up was something that I wanted to do, and that's sort of how I fell into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why I've been doing it, I think, like 18 years now. 
Now, I was going to ask you, um, any, anybody, speaking of doing open mics at just odd places, anybody interesting you've seen at like just a weird random cafe or just an open mic that you would just totally not expect to see? Uh, at no, no, I mean, in L.A., I mean, I mean it, it's almost anybody and everybody. I remember once like I was doing some uh, art center in the valley in front of like seven or eight senior citizens, and it was, <laughs> nice. um, this was a scheduled thing. Me, uh, Kathy Ladman, who had been on The Tonight Show, wow. I think, nine uh-huh. times at that point, wow. and three-time Emmy Award winner David Feldman. <laughs> you know, they're going up with like, notebooks, that's and you awesome. know what I mean? They're just goofing around, but, you know, you got to get on stage, you know? That's, so, that's awesome. And, um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen in L.A. You're, you're going to have gigs where you know, you're going on stage, and half the gigs you do here are free, and you're going to see mm-hmm. guys that you see on sitcoms, and, they, you know, coming up. And I mean, there used to be a club here called Dublin's. It was like a bar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dane Cook used to go there almost every week. Alonzo Bowden, Dice would come by, wow. uh, Tommy Davidson. You know, if, if right. a room in L.A. starts to get a reputation that it's hot and that it's a great place to perform, um, you know, guys Everybody are going to try to sort of like, you know, like at the Comedy Cellar in New York. I was just there last week. Chris Rock comes by, you know, mm. you know, Seinfeld pops by Gotham. You know what I mean? It just depends on, you know. Right. If, if it's a good place to perform and it's a place where guys like that can come in and work out material, you know, then it's very valuable. And, and a lot of guys like that, they get comfortable in spe- uh, specific spots. I, I've oh, had yeah, people, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, you, know, you know, absolutely. You know, the, the comedy show's reputation is very, it's a hot room. You know, you get great crowds almost every night. Uh, you know, so why not if you're in it's a, you know, very, yeah, like, you know, intimate setting. So those guys like coming down and working out stuff. Yeah, we've had Bobby Collins call in and he's like, when I want to try out a new 10 this is the club that i go to every time because right it's an open yeah, mic and i, I, I tease my buddies on. in new york some of my friends like dan natterman and some of my other friends there i was like you you guys are a bunch of sissies wait with your hot crowds and your great audiences <laughs> in, in new york i don't want to hear it you know <laughs> come to la we're performing in a coffee house in front of nine other comics waiting to go on then you then you can talk to me about yeah. it. Hey, they come so. to clearwater florida and do that yeah <laughs> right yeah so you know that's, that's pretty much the way it goes hey i actually had a great show my last show we did the cholesterol's a comedy it was on the 12th and we pulled in, uh, I think, 40 people showed up, which is a pretty nice night for... Oh, uh, yeah, no, it I mean, yeah, it depends on the setting, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, this was at I a mean, comedy it's funny, club. I, and... I did a cruise ship once. It's funny in terms of numbers. It's all, you know, re- relative to, to the size of where you're performing. I, I did a, uh, I think it was a cruise ship, and the, the theater seated 1,500 people, and we right. had taken off late, and uh, 60% of the cruise was from South America, so they didn't know English. <laughs> and I think a total of between two to three hundred showed up out of fifteen hundred oh, wow. seats. So you think to yourself, oh, three hundred people—that's a good audience. Yeah, not when there are fifteen hundred seats and they're all scattered <laughs> all over the place and no one speaks English. It's just like horrifying. You no, know, it looks like there are three people there. It's just completely ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, it's all relative, I guess. Yeah. So let me ask you, Avi, what was the? Uh, I said, I know you said you always thought you wanted to do comedy. What, what drove right. you the first time to get on stage? Or, you know, where, what was the first club you performed at, and how bad did it go, or how great did it go? Uh, the first club I was ever uh, at was the Laugh Factory in L.A., which is weird because, like, that's what I used to watch on TV, you know, on Comic Strip Live. Um, I used to, I remember watching, like, Wayne Cotter hosting that when I was in high school, and, like, man, this guy's great. And then I ended <laughs> up working with him, and then I took him to Israel. Um, you know, so, it, um, but yeah, I just went to an open mic. I mean, they had an open mic there where you, you you wait in line in L.A., and they would take, at that point, I think the first uh, 20 people who were there. So, and sign-ups were, I think, at 6 o'clock. So I remember I was going to show up at, like, 3 o'clock and show how dedicated I was. Um, you know, I'm going to be early and wait in line. I showed up, and I wasn't even close to being uh, – people, like, showed up at noon to do three <laughs> minutes. And, um, and is it, it still like, like that out close. there? So, what is it still like that out there? Um, you know what? I mean, I'm not sure. I think over the years they changed it to like 15 people. I, I don't know. I just remember you used to drive by, and every Tuesday you'd see people sitting outside in a line with lawn chairs, and wow. you, know, <laughs> you know, that's very competitive. You know, so and um, I remember um, showing up and going, okay, well, I clearly you know don't know what I'm getting into here. But then I, I told myself I'm I'm going to come back during the sign-ups and just j- just to see the process, you know, just to see how it goes. And um, I showed up, and two people were arguing over a spot because one person felt sick and they didn't want to go on. And um, there, I was here before you, I was here before you, and I piped in, even though I hadn't been waiting. I said, well, I was here before both of you, which was actually true, um, but I hadn't been waiting there the entire time. 
And this one comedian, Cosmo, I still have a soft spot in my heart for him because, uh, you know, he, was, he, he, you know, he came up and defended me. He goes, that's true. He was here before both of you. And uh, <laughs> they started, well, I, I didn't see him, blah, blah. So one of the guys said, you know what, I don't want to go out and forget it. And he just walked away angry. But the other girl wasn't giving up. She's like, well, I'm not. And Cosmo said, you two can sit here and argue about it, or I'll just pick a number between one and ten. I'll tell the guy next to me. I'll whisper it in his ear. And you guys, so I think I went with five, just played the odds. And she either went with, you know, four or six and guessed wrong. And that was it. And that was like, I was all of a sudden going to be on stage for the first time in my life. And um, <laughs> I remember it, it was packed, 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 packed. And the buzz of energy was great. And um, it actually went well, uh, which freaked me out. And I remember I got a nice uh, compliment. I got off stage and like Jamie Masada, the owner of the Laugh Factory, he would sort of, uh, you could sit and talk with him for a few minutes. He would sort of like, you know, critique you, go over your act and, you know, talk to you. And for an open mic, if somebody's brand new, it's very valuable to have this, you know, an owner of a mm-hmm. comedy club sit there and talk to you or, you know. A legend, and, of, a, um, a legend of an owner of a comedy club, really. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, and, yeah, I mean, the guys, but, you know, I remember watching him on Star Search when I was a kid, you know, was this wow. guy. So, and um, uh, I went on, I got off, and I remember, what, what's the language scenario on this, on the show, by the way? Whatever you want. Sure. Bilings, whatever you want, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I just remember he, uh, I got off and he goes, how long you been doing this? And I said, that was my first time ever. And he goes, bullshit. Like, he didn't know it. I went, no, 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 I mean it. So, and he goes, okay, just go ahead and keep coming back. Um, I think I still remember my opening joke, which I think is still actually pretty funny, that I talked about, uh, talking about my dad, that I come from a crazy Jewish family. My dad is one of these guys who thinks that anything that goes wrong in his life is because the entire world hates the Jews. He'll be watching television. <laughs> Look at that Nazi at the semi bastard. He was off sides. I'm like, yeah, dad, I don't think that had to do anything. With you. <laughs> so and that was sort of, you know, and it's weird because I've sort of shied away from doing material like about my family, but I know deep inside, like that's what people enjoy and want to hear. But I, I don't have a ton on my dad, but I still, you know, I've got some, but I still think that's a good joke. I still think that that joke sort of holds up. Um, I just had, you know, and that was it. I got off and it was like, I was bitten by the bug, you know, it just went so well. And then the second time I went on, I ate it. Uh, the comedy store, but my friends were very encouraging. Like, I've oh, you did the same stuff before, and it, it went fine. So this obviously, I realized, um, you know, I was thankful to both clubs for like one positive experience and one negative. So, yeah, that that first kick to the ribs really uh, it, it puts because you get up there and you do great the first time, and then that kick in the rings the second time it gives you that reality check. Like, okay, I still got a, a lot of work to do to get to that first level, let alone anything after. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I remember actually the, um, the um, I, I, some people who had gone on the same night as I did that first time didn't do so well, and they got off and they were fine. Like, they didn't, they felt okay about it. They clearly had way more experience than me, because they knew, okay, I tried some of the new stuff, and they, you know, this went well, this didn't. So they didn't seem to mind. I went, oh, okay, I guess that's just part of the process, you know, that, you know, you're going to go up and, you know, veteran comics had told me at the time, if you're not bombing, you're doing something wrong, you know, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So that's just part of the process. You're going to do stuff that works. You're going to do stuff that doesn't. That just you know, it's just the way it goes. Especially at open mics, because in, here in in the Florida area, open mics are just loaded with other comedians and not a lot of club patriots. So you're doing, right, yeah. If you're not changing up your jokes, you're doing your same material instead of the same fifteen people, and you're like, oh man, you don't even you don't even feel comfortable. So sometimes you're like, ah, you toss in one new joke, and you're like, I don't want to do more. Right. Like, I mean, it's the key. Generally, you know, you don't want to open with new stuff, but the key, you know, obviously, you want to have an act. There's nothing wrong with developing, you know, an act. Yep. But at the same time, you want to be able to sneak in one or two new ones in the middle once you've established that you know you're you're funny, you know, and they like you. Um, and I just started. So, but to, yeah, it's a constant challenge. I just started to break into doing uh, more of the family material because I got I got caught up in a in a birthday party for uh, my aunt. And a whole uh-huh. bunch of the family was there, and they were like, Dave, you got to come down and do comedy. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm going from a – last night I was doing it in front of four, in front of 40 people, and tonight I'm going to be doing it in the living room at my cousin's house in front of 25 <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, there's nothing worse, I think, than doing comedy in front of people uh, you know, who you know and, right. and, you know, and who – that, you know, who, who know you, I think Seinfeld was just on Letterman not too long ago, and he talked about it. He said that, that you know, comedy is for strangers. You know, there's there's sort of a it's an interesting dynamic. You know that it's much right. better in front of people who you don't know. You know, there's a certain comfort you know, level for yourself and comfort level that you have with people who you don't know yep. when when you're doing stand up. So it's you know it's an interesting insight. Luckily for me, there was some family there that I had never met, and they brought some friends. And but oddly oh, enough, good. you know, n- none of none of my family had ever seen me do comedy live. And my father was down from New York and Florida, and 
So now I'm, I'm like, what do I? I don't want to do my typical fat guy and penis jokes in front of my 70 year old aunt. Right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And my 93 year old aunt. Yeah, I ever played Vegas. My parents wanted to come, and I said, if you come, I'm turning the car around and not going. So <laughs> you cannot come. You know, because it was busy. You know, you're nervous. It's the first time you're playing. You know. Yeah. You know, a city with the, you know, it gives you a little bit of street cred. And I was just like, I, you know, I knew I need to be in front of, you know, strangers. I don't need family there for this situation. You know, it's my job. I don't want to, you know, and they sort of didn't understand it. And then after a while, you know, I didn't care. The one, so, that just comes with time, I guess. The one thing that came good out of it for me was that since I did do, I guess, kind of like some on the spot family jokes, just told some family stories that I thought would be funny. You know, they right. were funny, and the people that I told them about were there, and they actually didn't take offense to them. So I was like, oh, I can actually probably get away with doing this live and not get disowned or taken out of any family wills. Yeah, I mean, I think people generally want to know about you. You know, they want to hear about you. So if, if you have stuff that's about you and about your family that not only they can relate to, but strangers can relate to it also. You know, if you're talking about your crazy mother, you know, everybody has a mom that drives them nuts at some mm-hmm. point. You know, so, you know, that's, that's going to be stuff that people can relate to. So, you know, people are going to enjoy. And it's kind of so. been one of, the way I, one of the reasons why I've stuck with the fat guy jokes. One, because I'm still a fat guy, but it doesn't matter what religion, nationality, anything. Everybody's got a fat guy in their family or whatever. Right. And I mean, yeah, or everybody has seen one. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm crazy. <laughs> I've seen the magic. <laughs> you know, I'm unaware I... of these fat people. Where do they come from? <laughs> you know, it's something everybody, you know, can, can, you know, can relate to. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's hard for me to break out of that comfort zone without having tons of shows, you know, where, you know, like, like I talked, uh, I listened to you talk about how um, when you first started out, you were still doing uh, assistant teaching. And out in LA. Oh yeah, yeah. For, I mean, for 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 years. Right. Yeah. So I still have a full time job, and so you know it, it's hard because you're only getting out there maybe a couple of times a week or a few times a month. So it, it changes a lot, and you got to be careful. You're like you don't want to offend, you know, the, your employer and the things you're doing because you can't risk your job. So oh yeah, I mean that that's always the, the, I mean the interesting uh, you know uh, balancing act because obviously you know the more success you have. In stand-up or in entertainment, the less time you're obviously going to invest or have time to do at whatever the day job may be. So, I mean, people would tease me. I mean, it, I was doing teaching assisting. It was enough to, like, keep a, a roof over my head and eat. And, um, I mean, but not really enough to save anything. And um, so people would ask. The teacher I work with, uh, Eileen Miller, so, you know, we're still close. So she, um, people would ask, she'd always let me leave if I had an audition or I had something, you know, she'd let me go. Um, and people would ask, like, Abby, what are you going to do when Eileen quits? Like, I guess I'm out of here because no other teacher would put up with this crap. You know, <laughs> she, right. would, she would tolerate me being gone. Um, yeah, but I was constantly at that point, you know, uh, running out to an, audi- uh, an audition and coming back and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you just yeah. got to balance it. And I um, have one of those corporate America jobs where they're like, uh, sorry about your damn luck, Dave. You need to show up to <laughs> right, work. Right, yeah. Then, but, you know, well, if you got a car, you know, then you're making uh, real money. At least I was making jack squat. I didn't feel yeah. really badly. I, I got enough to continue my 350-plus weight category. So if, if I right. start involuntarily losing weight, you know my job is rapidly going downhill. Right. You, you could tell you'd be doing more stand-up full-time <laughs> if you were really, like, thin. They're like, oh, he's not eating good. He must be doing a ton of stand-up. So, you know. That's, and that's, that's the other you know, that would be the one positive. And not so. that I'm ready to make a big leap, but that's the other thing holding me back a little bit from almost dedicating a lot more to comedy. Because hey, that's a you know I got it. I got medical insurance. I got oh yeah, a savings you know I mean, look, account. It, it's scary. I mean, I remember the first, <laughs> the last year where I like did this, and I go, that's it. I'm diving in full time. And, um, I mean, uh, yeah, it's scary to have your income sort of fluctuate up and down. But yeah. the, I mean, I'd done a decent job over the years of like, okay. I'm going to have to, you don't get any respect either. That's the problem if you're not doing it full time. You know, I remember I had done Ferguson at least twice and I still had, had the day job. Really? But you referenced it on last night. Can you go get carpool? My kids downstairs, you know, they just don't care. They don't take it seriously. Um, I like the fact that you referenced while you were on Ferguson, the fact that you still have a day job. I I thought that was a great thing to do. The funny thing is I wasn't going to. Then because there's that sort of, it's the joke that I said, you know, there's some embarrassment that you're not a full-time comic and only in LA where there'd be a sense of shame attached to having a job, you know, like, <laughs> you know, what do you do? I have first and second graders learn how to read. God, what a loser. You know, like that's, that's, that's part of the problem. And I fell into that trap. I didn't, and my manager at the time, this guy, John Lee, very nice guy and very smart. He goes, no, I mean, that joke has to go in. I go, why? I'm sort of embarrassed that he goes, because of that reason, the average Joe appreciates the fact that you're working and trying to get it, you know, 
you know, screw these guys who are making eighty thousand dollars a week. Who you know, <laughs> in, in a sitcom. You know, God bless. You know, I'd love to be that at some point. But you know, regular America can't relate to that. They can relate to you working and trying. You know, at the same time and trying to. You know, you know, chase, chase the dream at the same time. That's it's like what your own little Rudy story. To. You're, and, you're know, the, you still got to get up at you know six forty five seven in the morning and you know schlep to work and you know try to do as much as you can entertainment wise in in between that so that's and it. He, you know he he was right he was right I put it in and it got a laugh and people seemed to enjoy it so from from here on out you are the the Rudy of comedy you worked your way oh out, yeah man. That's yeah it. that's right <laughs> except his ended with people carrying him off of a field mine is uh, drunken you know. drunken people yelling horrible comments right My, mine ends with people like throwing crap on the stage get off you know that's um <laughs> you know bit, 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 bit of a different ending yeah you know so far. <laughs> So now, how did the uh, how did the Craig Ferguson spots uh, come about? How did those come to you? Did uh, they come to you? With them, you know, I think you get to a point, and you'll sort of realize that you get to a point in your career when you feel ready, um, you know, to do TV, and you're like, you know, you have enough material amassed, and and um, I I had been told by a bunch of guys that's the one advantage of you know being in LA is that you're around a lot of guys that have done a lot of TV, and you're around very strong comics, so you can sort of pick their brain about what to do and how to approach it and all that stuff. And they, the one thing that I heard first was, you know, make sure you have two sets ready to go. Then, because if you do well on the first one, they're going to want your back. So just in case, you know, and you sort of know, like, you know, comparatively you'll watch other people on and, you know, if this set should, it's going to be a strong one or not. And, you know, I'd had of other friends of mine and other colleagues who, you know, who had already done some TV and I knew I was at least as funny as those guys. <laughs> and um, I thought of, you know, I sort of felt that I was ready. So it sort of became, uh, you know, my goal to get on that show because I knew that they were they were very good about bringing in newer comics. About not you didn't have to have a credit list as long as your arm to go do stand up on that show. And I'd done Premium Blend already at that point mm-hmm. on Comedy Central. That usually now I think it's called Live at Gotham. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the first stage in the game. That's sort of the first thing you'll do. So I'd done that already. So I had a, a teeny bit of experience about doing a, a TV set, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And I began to just compile the set, and I just began to run it over and over and over again. And we had finally gotten in touch with the person who books the show. And it, it's a battle, look, to get them out. To, you know, they're very busy to make mm-hmm. sure they have time to come out and watch you. And we finally had her come out and watch. And I, I didn't see her come in. It was interesting. I remember the showcase spot was at the Improv. And we left her name at the door. And she didn't check in. So we didn't think she was there, and I came this close to not doing the set because I was like, ah, didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And normally if they show up, yeah, when you're done, they come up, oh, thanks for showcasing. You know, they're very nice, and, and that didn't happen. And then the next day, I get an email from them. The set was fine. You know, email it to us, and then they have sort of standards and practices. Look it over, basically lawyers, to make sure that um, you're not, obviously that it's clean, but also that, you know, if you have a joke about Toyota, let's say, and they're a sponsor of the show – that's going to go, so that, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And she was there. She said, I didn't check in because I didn't want to make you nervous. So it's going to be nervous. I was like, <laughs> um, which is very sweet of her. So then they, you, you emailed them the set and that was it. And they approved it and they gave me a date and, uh, you know, thank goodness it went well. <laughs> and then after that, they said, great, it was a great job. You know, when you have the second one ready, feel free to come back. I, I got it ready. They go, well, we normally wait six months. So, yeah. and then they had me back and I, it went well again. And I think I did it three times under three different bookers. But I had done it a couple times already, so the third time they couldn't say, well, we're not having, you know. I had done well a couple times already, so mm-hmm. at that point I did it three times, which I sort of thought was enough. And then I wanted to sort of move down an hour, either like Gun for the Tonight Show or a Letterman. So I'm sort right. of, I, I, you know, my, my, my pitch to the Letterman guys is I've, I've already done sort of a worldwide pan show. I've already worked for your boss in a way. You yeah. know, so <laughs> let's work on that. You know, and it, it, you know, it is a process. You have to just mm-hmm. try to construct a set that, that they're going to be happy with, that you're going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of give and take yeah. uh, on both sides. So that's sort of next on the rung for me, but it is, mm-hmm. it, it takes a long time. You have to get a good recording and have them look at it and have them decide, well, we, you know, we'd like to see this, but not that. And it's uh you know, it's just a lot of back and forth. But doing a set on TV is very different from doing a set in, in, you know, in a club. You, you basically email them the set, and they look it over and, uh, you know, decide what's okay or what they'd like to see changed. Um, so it's very, very different. Doing a set on TV, even performing it, you know, you're more concerned with, with the timing of everything as opposed to 
yeah. you know, other concerns. You have to come in between four minutes and four minutes and 30 seconds. And, you know, you just have to have your timing down. So once they approve it, you run it and run it and run it and run it, you know, with laughs, without laughs, with a hot crowd, not with a hot crowd, to just make sure that everything will be all right. It makes sense. So it's sort of like a different art form in a way. You know, it's 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 kind of like when you're when you're doing open mics. You don't want to, you can't go over your time, or you won't be invited back, or you don't get the opportunity to get on stage. Now you're here at the big, you know, what we'll call the big time on Craig Ferguson and all these TV spots, and you, you got you're back to the same thing. You better not go over your four, or you're messing <laughs> yeah, up the it, whole thing. There are all these like subtleties because, like, <laughs> you know, when you play uh, Vegas or when you're working, uh, you know, other clubs, you know, they, there's the red light in the back of the room. So, like, when you're in Vegas, they, they flip the red light, and you'll sort of turn the light and sound guy and sort of nod your head, okay, I see it, I got it. Mm-hmm. And then he'll quickly go ahead and turn it off. So on Ferguson, the camera guy goes, uh, when, you're, when you have a minute left, I'll hold up a little card right in front of the camera that says one minute. Mm-hmm. I go, okay. So, and, which is very helpful. Obviously, it helps, helps your timing. Right. And I had a minute left. He holds, up, he holds up the minute card. And I came this close to looking at him and nodding. <laughs> and I thought, no, you moron, you're on television, don't do that, stupid. <laughs> and awesome. I, I caught myself, but I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, oh I guess I'm supposed to nod to him that I see it. Um, but then I was like, no, you don't do that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so just like That's even awesome. small stuff like that, you have to sort yeah. of catch yourself habit-wise um, to not do. Now, has, has there been any difference in, in working with the – you said you're in negotiations with the lettering people. Is there any difference uh, between uh, – I mean, I know they're both worldwide pants, basically the same association, right. but has it been any uh, difference in how they want things or just um, um, negotiations no, I mean, at all? I think, or? you know, they have uh, newer guys booking. I think they just want to – they want guys that are going to do a good job, and they want guys, obviously, that I think, uh, you know, who they think David Dave will find funny, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But they, they've been nothing but, but, but pleasant and very cool. nice. I mean, if, any, if there's any, like, slowing up on it, it's basically, you know, on my end and my fault just because I haven't – you know, I, I basically, it's weird. I, my schedule's been so insane. I haven't really had time to just go to a club, you know, arrange a 15-minute spot and get recorded, you know, yeah. with like a decent recording and sit down and plan out the 15 that, that I want to end up doing. That's because um, you're busy jet so, flying yeah. all around the world, Israel, it, it, New it's York. Not. I'm actually, I'm driving in a couple of days to Vegas to MC an FIDF banquet, and then I have to drive Wednesday, uh, Thursday night back to L.A. to catch a 7 a.m. flight from L.A. to New York to do a show in Rockland County on Saturday night. Wow. Where in Rockland County then, are you going to be? That's I grew up just I can't at, remember the name. It's some synagogue, and I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I grew up right in my head. It's ridiculous. That's so, the area I grew up in. I grew up just in Orange County, about 30 minutes away from there. Okay, Google. You know, I, I bet if you Googled my name, Rockland County, I think it pops up somewhere. I'm not in front of my computer at this, this and, second. And they, they actually just finally brought a club out there uh, just outside of Rockland County and uh, right around the Monroe-Woodbury area. Uh, Jesters okay. of New York. Yeah, they opened up. Yeah, a club. I mean, I end up doing. You know, I, I think you have to play to your strengths. Sure. So, and uh, I end up doing like, you know, because of my background, a lot of Jewish events and that kind of stuff. Because I have that background and you sure. know that, that that kind of material. So I do a lot of that stuff. Hey, it you pays. Know, I enjoy doing. So. <laughs> Here's the, do, do they pay less or more? <laughs> um, he's one of our own. On who you're talking to? He's a member of the um, tribe. You know, Give him a couple of dollars. It, it, it depends on the gig and you, you know in the organization. Some pay fine. You know, it's like any other comedy gig. Yeah. Some pay fine and some don't. You know, it just depends. Do any of them pay better than Ferguson? Um, Ferguson is a day. Yeah, I mean, because Ferguson is an after scale rate. So that's what, you know when you do TV, you sort of you know forget you're getting paid. You're just happy to be on it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. You know, I don't really th- 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 think th- think of it that way. Well, um, no, and, and I asked it because I honestly didn't know how. You know, I wouldn't know how someone mm-hmm. would be paid for doing their four minutes on there. So yeah, I mean, yeah, some do and some don't. You know, it's just like you know, it's like anything else. But yeah, Ferguson is just sort of like a standard after a TV rate, I think. All right. Which um, you know is fine, but you know, you're just ha- happy to be on the show. You know, you're Absolutely. happy to be doing TV, and everybody there is super, super nice. And you know, it's it's just you know, it's a little nerve wracking, but at the same time, it's you know, it's a fun environment. The audiences, they're, you know, they're on your side and, you know, people want you to do well. And Craig is, you know, super nice guy and the whole staff is great. So, you know, you just want to go up there and do, do a good job for him. So you referenced that you do a lot of, you know, Jewish material and you do a lot of right. stuff. Now, I, I don't do that yet, although it's my background. Uh, but but I, I think I have had the ultimate Jew on the radio show. <laughs> 
uh, when we had Jackie Mason come in or call no, him. There, yeah, yeah, I got to spend and, a few hours with him in Vegas and, uh, one night. He's an incredible guy. Uh, after, you know, he spent about 25 minutes or so, I think, on the phone with him. And then right. he invited mm-hmm. me backstage after one of the shows when he came down. And oh yeah, he was very very nice. He, oh. he um, I was working with Shelley Berman in Vegas, and a friend of mine, Bruce Smirnoff, who's, who's a guy you should probably have on your show. He he's great. Um, he he lives in Florida, but does a ton of cruises. He's like out of the country all the time. Um, he told me he goes, you know, Jackie will be there, and my one of his good friends is his sort of manager slash bodyguard. And he goes, you should call him and invite him to the show. He's starting a couple days after you, but he's going to be in Vegas a couple days beforehand. So I called him, I left him a message, and, and he showed up, and he comes to the show, and he's like, after the show, he's like, you want to go get a cup of coffee? I'm like, sure. So <laughs> I, I hung out with him until like three in the morning. It was, it was a great experience. You know, oh, that's just awesome. Schmooze with this legend. Absolutely. Um, you know, and he gets stopped walking around that town every five feet, because people either know him from Caddyshack, <laughs> or the other gen- you know, older generation knows him from just stand-up in general. But yeah, he was, he was great. Yeah, he he and he paid me one of my first compliments on, uh, on, on doing interviews and... Yeah, he was just an all-around great guy, and it was uh, yeah, he's very, very nice, very, very friendly. He, he kind of set up the stage for a whole lot of other celebrities <laughs> after him that are like, okay, well, if, if Jackie did it, I'll do it, and if Bobby Slayton did it, I'll do it. So I was like, it's all these Jewish guys that are getting me more, uh, you know, more talent. Yeah, so um, you know, they, you know, we, it, it, it's it's an industry we tend to be around yes. the entertainment comedy scene. I kosher profile my comedians before I let them come on the air. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so starting off in com- I'm sorry, starting off watching comedy growing up, who were some of your, you know, the idols, or who were you watching on TV? Because I know I started um, I mean, off. Yeah, in terms of watching, I was, you know, in like, you know, early 80s, I was watching when comedy began to sort of boom. I, I was watching anything and everything. I mean, that was, right. that was on TV. Um, and um, it's strange to sort of like meet some of the guys and work with some of the people who I used to watch. I had Kathy Ladman I used to watch, and now I'm like friends with Kathy. It's just weird. You know, she was like uh, <laughs> a comedy idol of mine growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was great. Wayne Cotter, guys like that. I took Kathy to Israel also. So, and, um, you know, obviously the guys like Seinfeld. And, uh, but I grew up listening to my dad's comedy albums, like, you know, uh, the 2,000-Year-Old Man, 2013, nice. you know, the Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner stuff mm-hmm. from – George Carlin, I remember it being at my friend's bat mitzvah, and we had a place for my stuff, the George Carlin tape. Right. We must have listened to that thing like over and over and over again for just hours. Absolutely. Like Carlin was a big influence, um, Eddie Murphy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's funny because pe- people, people hear Eddie Murphy and Carlin, and they only really first think of the dirty side. And how you say? Oh yeah, no, no, no. And these guys were great. I mean, just you know, and they, they but, don't have to be dirty to be funny. That's, exactly, that's, that's an interesting. Thing. A lot of the public doesn't so. even know them before they, you know, because Eddie Murphy wasn't always dirty because he wouldn't have been able to get to the point where he did delirious or roar if he yeah. if he was you know, never I mean, he, he a clean that comic joke on stage. first. I think I think in, in Raw where he talks about how he'll meet somebody, the people who aren't American see him and all they understand is the curse words. Yes, and they would see him in the street. And go, Eddie Murphy, fuck you! And like you know, they laugh. You know, like they just don't. They don't know. The guy's got yeah. great material, you know, so it's just funny. Yeah, but it's, it's a development because you, if, if you're just going up there swearing and cursing, it's going to be a lot harder. So those guys started off clean and yeah, no, earned the right I mean, to yeah, be Yeah, it loses dirty. its punch after a while. You know, you can only drop the F-bomb so many mm-hmm. times before. It just sort of deadens, you know. It doesn't really have much meaning anymore. Unless, of course, so. you're on stage as Eddie Murphy in black or red leather. Then you can say it right. as much as yeah. you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I'd love to hear what he thinks about that, you know, now. But, uh, you know, he probably just say, you know, hey, look, it's a guy in his 20s who... <laughs> yeah. was, now he know, does Dr. Doolittle stuff. Big deal, yeah. right. So. Now, now, I know you said you, you do mostly clean comedy because it's always been just sort of how you are. Has it ever been like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a hindrance or anything like that? Has it ever gotten in the way or anything or just not gotten you into some place? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, because... I, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's been a hindrance, but, I mean, there's some, you know, shows you'll show up to and it's, like, so incredibly crass that, you know, that's what they... I actually, one time, I showed up at the comedy store and I just said, and I was literally following three people who were so incredibly filthy... <laughs> it was like insane. Like you would have to get creative to think about how dirty these people were. Oh, wow. um, and I went on and you think to yourself, okay, how am I going to shot, you know, deal with this? And I went on and I go, you know what? I'm going to go the other way. I was squeaky clean. They were a great audience and I got off and someone pulls my arm and stops me and goes, I just wanted to thank you 
for that, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, awesome. Oh, it worked out. You know, they were thankful that I was clean. You know, and I mean, and I'm not saying that there's anything positive. I mean, look, I could sit <clears throat> yeah. and watch, you know, guys like David Tell and Louis C.K. for you know, and you know, those guys are dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're hilarious. So it doesn't. Absolutely. I don't. There's nothing wrong with being dirty. Yeah. People think that I have a problem with comics that are dirty. I, I you know, I don't. You know, I. But it's just not. You know, you got to be honest. You got to be who you are on yeah. stage. Cool. And it's just not me. So I just can't pull that off. It would seem not genuine. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. a few times I do drop, you know, dirty words here and there. It, it, I think it is genuine, you know. I'm trying to, <laughs> it's genuine, it's know, fitting, and it. It, 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 it's actually the reason why they laugh, you know. There's a lot of times right, when yeah, you use the I mean, F-bomb Sometimes as... I say it's kind of shy. One girl told me what she goes. She kind of liked every now and then that I was like, it, it gave me a mild edge every time I dropped. Because I would try to, you know, look for places where it's appropriate to drop those kinds of words. But um, That was your you rough know. bad boy every once what? in a while. That's when you were the rough bad boy. Every once in a while, right, yeah, I can't the pull that off in the slightest. <laughs> so not even close. So yeah. I don't even try. I, I think that's just the whole Jewish thing. We just—it's very hard to come off as a bad as the bad boy. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> d- 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 David Tell manages to pull it off, but <laughs> true. Yeah. So, so who are who? I know you said you're going to Vegas. Who are you going to be uh, touring with up out there? Um, I can't remember. I think I'm going to go with Sully McCullough, who's great, and I can't remember who the other comic is off the top of my head. It's been just so nuts and crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but usually in Vegas, the Improv at Harris, nine times out of ten, the three of us all know each other. And right. um, it's sort of you can intersperse any one of the three, whether they're closing, featuring, or emceeing. Um, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, you'd have... Um, scenarios where like one guy wouldn't feel or somebody shows up and then you just you'll flip flop guy you know every now and then depending if, if things pop up it's not the end of the world so right usually all three are capable of like closing or, or you know doing that kind of stuff not not all the time but usually so so and we who, usually all know each other so it, you know it's kind of a, a, it's kind of like a fun week who are some of the do you have a a crazy road story or something that's happened maybe as you were starting out was there someone that took you on the road and gave you one of the craziest experiences of your life, or has everything always gone smooth? Um, uh, no, it certainly hasn't gone smoothly. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of a crazy road. So I didn't pound the road too. Oh, uh, you know what? One, I remember I was working um, Boise, Idaho, for two weeks in a row. So and um, they had uh, they had just transitioned the comedy condo, which used to be a hotel, into these new condos or something. Mm-hmm. We've heard lots and, of condo yeah, nightmares. Yeah, the comic I was working with, um, the first week I worked with uh, Ian Bag, who's hilarious, mm, and the second guy. week was with Jimmy Pardo, who's also hilarious. Wow. They were like great, great guys. And um, the club booker or the owner—I don't remember who it was. Whoever was working there was good friends with Ian, I think. And like anything and everything kept going wrong. Like we'd get locked out of the apartment. You know, the door wouldn't work, and then we. Something else went wrong, and then something else went, and uh, it was always my fault because he was friends with him <laughs> and hated me, just hated. And I did well; I had like great shows every night, and uh, didn't care. Just like this guy's the worst. I was like, "What?" You know, that some fire alarm would go off. What did Avi pull it? I'm just like, "What?" I didn't. Like, it's just like everything went wrong. And then um, I remember just it, to, to the to, to cap it off, I had. Uh, I was there, and the manager of the club, you know, said, I told him, I said, listen, I don't have a watch, so just, you know, light me at such and such a time, whatever. He goes, okay. So, and my friend happened to be in town who was, you know, driving through, and it was also friends with the manager slash owner, whoever it was at the time. And uh, I wrap up. I see the light, and I wrap up, and they were a great audience. And he goes, uh, do your time, as he whispers to me as I get off the stage. I was like, what? I, I did my time. And I get off, and then the manager's complaining. You went long with this. And I went up to the manager, the guy in charge of light. I go, what's going on? I thought I told you that. He goes, oh, you were doing well. So I thought I'd give you another five, five minutes. I went, did you explain to the owner? That that was, you know, like, now they hate me again. Like, it was just like anything and everything. And it was like one of my first road experiences ever, and I just felt like I was making every mistake I could possibly That's make. Awesome. It was horrifying. So. You don't have one of those, but, like, um, I killed stories yeah, I, I that were you... you know, like, the bad stories just don't... I was <laughs> yeah. on a cruise ship, like, I was telling the cruise ship one, uh-huh. right? and they called me in my cabin. I had a good show the night before, and they go, listen, we're... Uh... And cruise ship, my experience doing the cruise ship was, I'm either bombing or killing. There was, like, nothing in between. <laughs> like, it was, nice. the show was either great or I'm eating it so hard, like, there's just no tomorrow. And um, 
they called me in my cabin uh, and said, listen, we're cutting your time from 20 to 10. And I'd done well the night before. I went, okay, which really means even shorter. They said, well, uh, like I said before, like 60% of this crew is from South America. They don't know English. We took mm-hmm. off late. Nobody knows what's going on. <clears throat> and you're on a show. It's like a variety show. There's like a juggler and a dancer and a singer and, and then you. And I'm like, so why even have me out? I go out and you're just talking to yourself for like, you know, eight to 10 minutes. Nobody knows what the hell you're saying. Nobody knows what you're talking <laughs> about. And uh, it's horrifying. You're just sitting there in complete silence. Um, you know, because they don't know English. Right. That's awesome. I'm just like, why send me out on this? It was just ridiculous. Because they're so, paying you. And if they're paying you, they want to see you out there. Just, I just shut my, you know, whatever you need me to do, more than happy. You know, at that stage in the game, you just roll with it. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's great. My friend Bruce Smirnoff, it still, it still gets him. He says if he has a bad show, he won't leave his cabin. Like, you know you're funny you lunatic like what he knows he's a great comic he's a, he's a riot right? if it's not his fault nine times out of ten it's not you know it's, he's in a terrible position that they put him in and you know now, you, you can't we, win we've so. had some other comics who do a lot of lot of uh, cruises uh, and that's almost their main line <laughs> or, you know their main income right, sources right, from yeah. that and th- I've been exposed where you really have to have a lot of times two to three 30 minute sets because they'll have a clean I mean, yeah, show, yes a dirty and no. show. It sort of depends on the line. I've only done one, right? Okay. And my okay. schedule was sort of weird wherever the cruise director wanted. There, there's one where you just do 20 minutes every night, twice a night. I've talked to comics who like that one, and you can do the same 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. There are other ones where you have two 40 separate minutes. You know, it depends on the line. Okay. The, the, the advantage of cruises pay very well, but again, you are cut off from society. Yeah. Um, and it can be lonely. You know, it depends if you're not married and stuff, or have a serious girlfriend. It can be a tough, a tough haul. Um, you know, so stay single, um, do cruises, and hang out by the pool when you're not on stage. Is that the right? I asked my but you really have to learn how to like assassinate time. I brought one book, man, was that a huge mistake? Um, <laughs> finish that in three nice. seconds, then you're just like, oh, no, what you know, you yeah, because they don't really want you up there, they don't want you up there mingling and in the poker room. Well, uh, stuff no, I mean, you, you can, you have passenger status, but. You know, you just don't want to. <laughs> it's one of those, you know, you're there to work and, you know, get get the thing over with. Mm-hmm. So That makes sense. You know, that's sort of where, where it stands. How long of a commitment do they use a lot of the cruise lines ask for? Like how many weeks or months or in advance? Um, it depends. Usually there's some that are three days, some that are six or seven. You know, it just depends on, on the line. Oh, okay. You usually book, uh, you know, um, a week at a time or a half week at a time. Oh, okay. Okay. You do know, do you depends. get booked like four months out to do a week or you just – um, you can be, yeah. It, you know, it just depends on, you know, on 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 their schedule. All right. Now I know you so. said you had a crazy schedule just today, don't you? Aren't you heading out? To yeah, I got to be. Yeah, I have to. Believe it or not, I'm supposed to be somewhere at seven thirty. So, which at my time, which is uh, uh, sure, actually at seven in about ten minutes. I'll be mildly late, but it's all right. I enjoyed talking. <laughs> see, this this did fly by. I, said, I was going to say it goes fast. Yeah. And yeah, I, I haven't even like hit two, you up. Two seconds. I haven't even told I, you that I, I want. I got to leave a few minutes early. Yeah, I was going to say I don't even. I haven't even hit you up to tell all your friends all those great names you've been dropping that they need to call the Let's Be Frank show. Like Harley absolutely, and call and the Let's Be Frank guys. show. It's great. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yes, yeah, the, the night of the presidential debate. So is it live? Yeah, uh, yeah this it is, is. On live. It, it's right, live. So at least a dozen people are listening to that. Exactly. So it's very, <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, timing. And yeah, it I mean. goes, after t- tonight it's live on Comedy Slam and on Ustream, and then it'll go by midnight, it'll be up on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Podomatic. Uh, it oh, goes, perfect, yeah. So do you, do you, will there be a link to that? Yeah, yes. I'll put it on my link. I'll probably, uh, through Facebook, I'll send it to you so you yeah, can read it. Yeah, feel free to throw, throw, throw it on mine, too. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll email it to you. You post it. You tell everybody this is the best thing you ever did in your life. And 100%. It's gonna... Def- definitely ranks up there, believe me. Skyrocket so. you to fame after being Once on Once you've been Fat working Davey. in comedy for 18 years, talking to two nice guys on the radio is way, way up there. Trust me. So, so listen, I know, I know we're actually getting close to the end of the show. So I really don't – normally we have stuff to plug and things we're doing. I, I don't have my own personal shows coming up in the next couple of weeks. Gwiggy, do you have anything coming up? Um, yeah, I will actually be. I'm uh, here's what I have ready. Right. Thursday night, I'm emceeing the FIDF banquet at Caesar's Palace. Um, uh, the Friends of the Israel Defense Force, another Jew gig, and then awesome. um, flying to New York, doing a gig in Rockland County, and then I'll be in Vegas at the Improv at Harrah's uh, starting the 30th, Tuesday the 30th, I believe. And then uh, the tour in Israel that I'm doing coming up will be November 28th through December 5th, and that's going to be with Jeremy Hotz, Dom Herrera, and Jimmy Schubert. Wow, that's nice. Awesome. 
So that should, you know, it should be a strong. People are like, you know. Tell your buddy Dom you got to call goes, Fat Davey when he gets yeah, back absolutely. for the holidays. Yeah, Dom, Dom's great. He was like, who closes <laughs> that show? I go, you know what? That should be the least of my problems. That all three are so funny. I, that's what I have to worry about. Yeah, so, you'd be happy to see that, that show. So, Anything. I'd be happy to be in the audience at that show. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I posted that, that that's what the lineup was, and a couple of people were like, I will fly out to see that one. But, you know, <laughs> so it should and, be a good one, hopefully. some $4,000 tickets to get there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. when are you going to come and visit all the Jews in Florida? Because this is where we might You know, I mean, I'd love to come to the Jew visit the Jews. I may actually in uh, May, I, think, I can't remember. I don't have my schedule in front of me, but I got something coming up soon there. Like on, I have something on the calendar. I can't remember when it is, though. Well, but let us like, know if you know, you're going to be. It's like March or May or something. If you're going to be in the Tampa Bay area or within an hour or so, we'd love to either come out and, you know, hang out, watch you on the show, or if you're going to be in the area, you can stop by our fabulous studio high above the <laughs> sky in Clearwater, Florida. Would love Florida. to. <laughs> and, and anytime I'm in the area. I, I, um, I, absolutely. All awesome. right. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much for calling in. We are going to start oh, yeah, to wrap up the me. show. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It was great. And... Thank, again, thank you. Is there any shout-outs or g- give a, a plug to an up-and-coming comedian? Because we have a lot of that listen to him. Who should we be on the lookout? Who are some friends of yours that we should be looking um, for? You know you should be on the uh, um, who I find very – Kate Hendricks I find very funny. She does a character called Kate the Wasp. She, she's in New York City. <laughs> okay. She always makes me laugh. Um, she, it's just the, the whole character of her being like the uber wasp, which she does great. All right. Then um, Kate, Kate make, 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 makes me smile. All right. And how long has she been in comedy? And uh, she's been doing it in just a couple of years, two or three years maybe. And also there's one in England called uh, a guy named um, uh, Raphael Pariah. He's very funny. All right. Very f- f- funny young comic out of London. He's, he's, he's great. All right. So now we're going to look And out of and- Israel, I got one more. Benji Lovett. Very, very funny guy out of Israel. Benji nice. Lovett. Uh, Benji Lovett. Yeah, is, you can look, Google all these guys. I think they're totally. all on Facebook. Is and, Benji uh, Lovett a professional comedian, or is he just starting off? Yeah, no, ben, ben, Benji's a pro. He's actually been doing it for years and years and years. He actually comes oh. to the States and, and travels and does show here. But very, 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 very funny I, guy. I want to have my first Israeli comedian on. I'm looking up Benji Lovett. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Benji Lovett, he's American. But if you want true Israelis, there are two off the top of my head that can perform in, in English. Yotzi Tarablus, he's great. Wow. All right, uh, and Shakar Hazon, and he's also very funny. He's Shakar's kind of a big star in Israel. He walks down. The I was going to say, I like his name better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Y- Yossi Tarablus is great in English. Like he's he's a very funny. He's Israeli, but can perform in English and very very funny. Wow. All right. He just writes well. All right. Well, so. listen. Get on out there and get to the show. Thank you very Thanks, much guys. for spending much some time with us. Yeah, yeah, was a ball. Thank you very much. You're always welcome to call and harass me if you're free on a Monday night during the show. Just... Absolutely, yeah. Call, call, call me anytime. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks again. Be good. Sure. And we'll speak I'll to talk you to guys. you soon. Be well. All right. You too. We'll speak to you okay, guys bye-bye. next week. Thank you for tuning in to another great show. Quiggy, use your fat fingers and end this bitch. All righty. What are your fingers working slow? Thanks for listening in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com. If you missed this show or would like to catch up on past shows, visit us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's Podcast, and have a great night. We'll see you next week.